0: This is the Zen Nova Scotia podcast with talks by Cohn Franz. If you would like to support and be part of our community, you can start by visiting ZenNovaScotia.com. If you read Dogen for a while, you'll eventually come across a lot of teachings about how two things are the same thing. And one of the most well-known is the assertion that Zazen and the presets are one. For a long time, I thought that meant that they were inseparable. Or, maybe on a more practical level, I took that to be a kind of admonition that we shouldn't forget about the other. Anybody can do Zazen. But, but if we forget about the precepts, then it becomes a kind of... We might lose our center of gravity. That's how I heard that. And that's, that's, that's a useful way to, to frame it. But when we do this kind of equation, when we say that two things are actually one thing, it's probably not good enough to say that these two things go hand in hand or that these two things rely on one another. It's also, and I'll just get this out from the beginning, it's also not this assertion, which is also common, that Zazen and the precepts are the same, because when you're in Zazen, you can't violate any precepts. I've heard this a hundred times from a hundred people, They've clearly never seen me do Zazen. I want to start talking about the precepts as we prepare for a precept ceremony. And I want to start tonight by laying a particular kind of ground. I don't have the final word on the precepts or on anything but I want to offer a framework for understanding what they are. When we sit here in Zazen, we're doing something that looks like doing nothing. And on one level we could say that we are doing nothing, but within that nothing, there's a tension. There's a kind of confrontation with your mind. There's a confrontation with your uh instincts, and your instincts, if we boil them down, come to two things, or we can say it's always dangerous to say there are two right there are two kinds of people there are the people who believe there are two kinds of people and the people who don't believe there are two kinds of people. I'm going to say there are two things our instincts, which we confront in Sazen are a. to reject and be to grasp or another way of putting it is that we want to throw things away or we want to add things we sit in this posture and we breathe and we are told that that's it we're just present we're just here we're not given an object of attention We're not given a goal, we're not given a mental project. We're just here, seeing things as they are. Accepting things as they are. Not in a resigned way, but in an honest way. See, this is really how it is. But as we're holding that set of instructions, we're also seeing the things that we wish were not there the things that we would like to eliminate from this moment. Sometimes it's as simple as the person next to you who has a cold and is sniffling and and blowing his nose and, and uh, making horrible noises throughout Zazen. You think, if I could just push a button, just for today, this wonderful person would be somewhere else. Right. Or probably more commonly, it's some aspect of our understanding of the world. Or our minds. If you find yourself circling around the same mental drain in Zazen, some image, some memory, maybe it's painful or maybe it's just irritating, and you think, if only I could get rid of this, then this would be really good Zazen. Or maybe you're thinking... You know, this feels pretty good, except that I know that there's corruption and there's pain in the world. And that means the world is not quite right. I wish I could get rid of that in this moment. I wish I could erase it. There's always something, and usually a hundred things that we wish could be turned down a little or maybe postponed or maybe erased completely. And then we add things. One well, of the most common instructions about Zazen is to say, don't add anything to Zazen. But we have a feeling about what it should be like. Right? I'm here, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, right? I'm following the instructions, I showed up here. Let's get this show on the road, right? Let's start feeling the way that I want to feel. And if that isn't going to come up organically, I'm going to push it a little bit, right? I can visualize how it would feel to feel the way that I want to feel. And doing that, I can bring a little bit of that flavor in. Right? Or maybe it's as simple as, I'm here, I can't believe I came, I'm bored. And so instead of looking at the wall and being in relationship with the wall, I'm going to think about something I enjoy. (laughs) There are probably about 10 more minutes. Right? I can get a lot out of 10 minutes. This is adding. And if we're paying attention in Zazen, we're noticing that it isn't in Zazen that we do this, it's that in every second of our lives that we do this. We do one or the other. Reality is before us, and then we make this aggressive act either push it this way or to grab at the parts we like or to paint it up a little bit that's an act of violence it's the fundamental act of aggression and it's what we do all the time if zazen and the precepts are one then the precepts stem from or are in direct alignment with what we're doing when we sit here. If our task in Zazen is to navigate that space between throwing away and adding, then our navigation of the precepts is the same. I'll come back to that. We imagine because, we're, because we can't help but imagine when we hear the precepts for the first time that there is some morality here, that there is a right and a wrong. There is a right way to live and a wrong way to live. And in a practice that screams over and over, stop measuring your life, we suddenly have the ultimate metric for success. Am I following the precepts or am I violating the precepts? Am I good according to this new system or am I bad? How do I measure up? That's not how it works. The precepts don't come from on high. The precepts are not imposed. The precepts point to this neutral space. They point to the space of how things are. I have a favorite term in, in, uh, in the Buddhist words, nyoho. Nyoho means to be in accord with the Dharma. Just in accord with how things are. It's the hardest thing. I'm. I'm going to ask Joanne to help me out here. Would you just hum a note? Everybody, hum that note. Mm-hmm. Now everybody but Joanne, stop. Okay, jump in again. Mm-hmm. Okay, now. Thank you. Now, Joanne. You can do that note or a different note this time please don't hum that note hum a note that you think is in harmony with that note it's getting harder (laughs) right now one more with this little exercise any note you like and this time i want you to consciously choose a note that does not work with that at all, okay? Now, if we were to do this for a while, before we went insane, we would find that we naturally gravitate toward what Joyin is doing anyway, right? It's actually easier to do the first part Than it is to do the second part. And the third part is a little bit painful. The precepts come out of this principle that what we want to do is we want to be attuned to what's in front of us. And that we can do that. It's actually not such an act of will but that our ears aren't so good, right? Or that we're determined to do something that's not quite that, right? We think we can, we can step back from that a little bit and it'll be good enough. Again, this isn't, it isn't moral. It isn't someone saying that you're succeeding or not succeeding, or that you're a good person or that you're a bad person. It's about that dissonance. You feel it. You feel it in a relationship when you're not in tune with the other person. There's friction. It can be be painful. And you also know when you're perfectly in tune with someone. There are friends who, even if you haven't seen them for 10 years, 20 years, you sit down and it's as if it's as if you've been talking to them the whole time. You both know the same pitch. Right? You recognize that feeling. There are other people who, you know, maybe I think this happens often with dating. You meet someone who has the qualities that you think you want, and yet you can't find you can't find that pitch. And so you try and you try and something it feels as if something's broken. The precepts come out of the idea that that dissonance is what we're dealing with all the time. The three pure precepts are very, very simple. Do no evil. Do only good. Do good for the sake of others. If you're like me, the word evil is a little bit jarring. The fact is, it's not that uncommon in Zen literature, but I think that especially in the West, we kind of avoid the texts that like to use that kind of language. I've thought about this for a long time, what it is to do no evil. And again, I don't have the final word. But what makes sense to me as a starting point is that do no evil means don't throw things away and don't add to them. These are the basic acts of separation. Don't do it. Do only good means exactly the same thing. (laughs) Do only good is to let things be as they are. I have another favorite word, ikasu. This is a verb that we could not possibly translate well. But it has to do with letting things be as they are. It's not to leave something alone. You know, It's not that if you see something there, you just don't touch it. It's that... You know, if a child has a certain inclination, you let that child follow that inclination. That's to ikasu. And so my teachers would say, zazen o ikasu. Let zazen be free. Don't try to control it. Don't add anything to it. Don't try to take anything away from it. Let Zazen be Zazen. Let this moment be this moment. That's my understanding of do only good. It's not passive, it's liberating. And then do good for the sake of others it means that as You're facing this moment, not trying to change it, not trying to reject it, but really being there with it, that you take that next step and you offer it. You don't keep it for yourself. You offer everything. which is also Zazen. So it's not that when you sit in Zazen that you're maintaining the precepts, again, because you're just, because you're in a karma-free zone somehow. It's that the encounter you're having in Zazen is the encounter that you have in your life. And the choice that you're making in Zazen To allow this moment to be fully this moment is exactly, exactly the thing that we need to do in everything. We're playing it out. And when we get into the rest of the precepts and we talk about killing and stealing and lying and about sex... It comes back to the same set of questions all the time. Are you trying to manipulate the moment? Are you trying to control it? Or are you able to tune in with it? Are you able to find the frequency and not resist that and work from there? I shouldn't say words like frequency. They start to sound really... It gets a little bit woo-woo. For now, let's say pay attention. And that's where I'll stop. For more information about Zen, our practice, and how you can support and take part in our community, please visit zennovascotia.com.